All right. Well, uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God every week for a while now. Uh, we love um, that we get to participate in what God is doing in the kingdom of God. We've talked about it before. The kingdom has no boundaries. Uh, the kingdom of God is within us, that we are carriers of his kingdom because we receive Christ. We have the spirit of Christ within us, and no longer do we have to go to a temple to experience God, but God is within us, and that means that wherever we go, we bring heaven. We have the ability to bring heaven on earth. We have the ability to impact people. We have the ability to impact our own lives and our own family. And we talked about last week how the physical actually has uh, interactions with the supernatural, and the supernatural has interactions with the physical, that when you have when you do things physically, it has supernatural consequences. And when you do things supernaturally, it has physical consequences. And one of the most easiest ways to explain this is the power of prayer. When we pray, we're actually praying to God who lives in a different dimension. But we ask him to intercede for us on our behalf. That's asking God to do something supernatural in our lives. And it will manifest physically, oftentimes with reconciliation of our family, maybe with someone getting healed, maybe with someone receiving encouragement. It could happen when someone's getting a breakthrough that they need financially or in a uh, relational aspect. There's so many ways that the kingdom of God can break through into our lives, as well as the negative. We could do things physically negative, where what we would call sin, where we are looking at things we shouldn't look at or behaving in ways we shouldn't behave. And it is supernaturally uh, affecting us. It's, 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 it's making our hearts hard. It makes our hearts dark. Have you ever experienced the stronghold of sin in your life? It's one of the worst things that you can experience, and it has a very negative effect. Why? Because the things we do affect us. We talked about that there's also uh, another dimension. We believe that there's uh, God made humanity. He made uh, the, the animals. He's, he created the world. But also, there is a supernatural dimension where there are angels. We call them messengers of God. They're in the Bible. You can read all about them. There's also the fallen angels that are demonic that actually have uh, consequences, and they're released on this earth. And so oftentimes when we are behaving in a manner that is producing sinful behavior habitually. We call that a stronghold. Why? Because it attracts the demonic. I, I used this example before. It's like when children produce things in diapers, it attracts flies, right? As Christians, when we're producing stuff in our life, it attracts the demonic. And it can create what we called a stronghold. And thank God for the deliverance of Jesus Christ that can break every chain, that can break every stronghold where you are no longer slave to your sin. Where temptation still comes to you, but now you have the power to say, I don't want that, I don't need that. Because you have the power of Christ within you now. And God has set you free from those things. See, we have to understand that when we're in this realm, in this physical realm, that we're not fighting flesh and blood. Oftentimes, the, the world or the enemy will want us to try to fight each other when really we're not the enemy. We aren't each other's enemy. The world physically, the, the people who are lost, they're not our enemy. So Apostle Paul talks about this. We'll read this in Ephesians in just a bit, but he talks about that we don't fight against flesh and blood. 
But oftentimes as human beings, as Christians, we, we find ourselves fighting, we find ourselves struggling, we find ourselves battling things that have of no consequence. They're not, they're not, there is no real victory in them. And it reminds me when I was a, an elementary school, uh, middle school more like it, and um, my, my friends and I, we, we had this great idea. We, we were friends, we were all good with each other, but we had this great idea to sneak into the bathroom and come up with this group. We might have seen it in a movie somewhere, I'm not sure, but where we fight each other in the bathroom. And we, didn't, we wanted to make it as creative as possible, so we decided to turn out the lights, and there was about four or five of us, and we just kind of run around and, and fight each other. And if I only had like night vision goggles back then, you know, or if I could just see, you know, it, it, it was hilarious. And, and none of us really ever got hurt um, except punching walls is really painful. Um, you know, and after a while, someone would turn on the light, you know, you're strangling a urinal or something, you know, it's like. <laughs> uh, but what were we doing? We were fighting, we were, we were fighting the dark. We were fighting nothing. It, it, you know, um, sometimes we call it shadow boxing where a boxer will just, um, fight the air, if you could say it that way. And, and the reality is, is that sometimes we get caught up fighting ourselves, fighting something that has no consequence or fighting one another when really we should be participating in fighting the principalities and the spiritual darknesses of this world, having a spiritual warfare. Sometimes we think, we think things are manifesting in the natural when when, and we think it's all a natural cause when really there's a spiritual root. And sometimes we forget about it. Sometimes we think everything is a natural cause. Now listen, some things are just natural causes. You got a flat tire because you ran over a nail. Stop blaming the devil for everything that's wrong in your life. Your, light, you know, your lights might've got turned off because you didn't pay your bill. But when it comes to greater things, when it comes to things that sometimes are manifesting in weird ways, we stop, we need to stop and remember that there are spiritual things at hand. Now in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual warfare in such a significant way. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, we can read it together in your Bibles. It's in the New Testament. I'm always, see, I could read it on my computer, which is so clear, or I can read it in this Bible, which is getting harder <laughs> every year. I'm gonna try it. All right, let's go. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Listen, folks, we'll just stop for a second right there. There are spiritual forces 
that are controlling a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't even realize. There's, I, I remember, um, I, I talked about it uh, before, but you know, like oftentimes every culture that tries to access the supernatural illegally, where they use uh, drugs often and certain mantras and, 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 and uh, uh, hallucinogenic experiences to access the supernatural, all those cultures, they always, most, most of them, end up doing human sacrifice because the spirits of that day and age tell them to appease them, they have to sacrifice their children or people. Like when you find the Mayans, there's tons of human, there's like tons of human bones and skeletons of this you know, bottom place where they sacrificed people because that's like the, the evil in this world, the, the cosmic forces and powers. And, and unfortunately, um, it exists today. Instead of, you know, listening to demonic forces through supernatural things, they, they've, they've conned with, you know, we still sacrifice humans. It's called abortion. It's still present. It didn't go away anywhere, anywhere. Evil still exists in the world. It says, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. Now, let, let's just stop real quick. This is great. It says, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This, this original Greek here, there's two types of word of God. There's the logos word, which is his written word, his word that that is, is in his word, and then there's the rhema word of God, which is the spoken word of God, where we, we, can, we can hear God's voice, very minimally audibly, but oftentimes um, uh, through um, uh, an impression, uh, maybe through a dream, maybe through just uh, that, that inside voice that he speaks to you, um, and, and that rhema word of God can lead you even today. All right, let's keep going. And praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance and making supplications for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The apostle Paul is giving us some principles for, for standing against the spiritual darknesses, the spiritual uh, uh, realm that's trying to come against what God wants to do in your life, in your city, in your community, in your family. And he gives us these principles and he uses the illustration of armor to do this. The uh, Roman uh, armor was uh, common. They were oppressed by Rome. They understood what soldiers looked like. There were soldiers in the street controlling Israel and the surrounding nations. And so he said, he says, first of all, to, to fight. So he uses this physical example, but he's talking about it in the spiritual. He doesn't say, take up your sword and cut people's ears off with it. He's saying, to fight, we stand with truth. 
The way you fight is not in the physical, it's in truth. It's knowing the truth, knowing his word, knowing what God says, gives you the ability to hold a plumb line to anything else. So when you hold the plumb line to, to God's word and his character, when something comes against it, you go, hey, that's not right. Because you know the truth, you're able to stand firm. If you don't know the truth, the enemy or anyone else can deceive you and pull you away from that truth. The only way to know the truth is to look in the mirror, right? And to hold yourself accountable compared to what God's word says. How else can we fight with righteousness? Now, righteousness is right standing with God. It, it, that's what it literally means. But uh, it, it does, uh, uh, the, the only way we can be right standing with God is through Jesus Christ because no one is perfect, not one of us, including me. And, uh, and so I need to continually come into God's presence. I need to continually have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he forgives me of my sins. And now I am clothed in his righteousness. His sacrifice replaces the sacrifice that I need to make with my own own life. And so now I have his righteousness, but that also means that I do right things. That means I'm not a hypocrite. Look, one of the worst witnesses of the church is you and I proclaiming the love of Christ and not doing it. Making constant wrong decisions based on our flesh based on our opinions, based on our, um, yeah, our, our, our offenses. And so then we make these, these statements or maybe we make these actions and we call it God and it really wasn't God. And we have a lot of people who aren't in the church today or who have gone away from Christ because of our witness. How can we say we love God and hate our brother? with peace, the shoes of the gospel of peace. This is one of my favorites. I'll preach on this at the stirring. But the peace of God is so powerful. The reason why Paul references the gospel of peace to be on your feet is because it, it, it's what goes before you. It's what advances his kingdom. His peace upon your life because of the gospel, you can now walk into areas of chaos, areas of hopelessness, areas of despair because you have his peace with you because his peace is powerful. You know, it doesn't matter how well you can hold your shield or, or swing your sword as a soldier. If your feet are tied together, you're not going anywhere. Peace activates the kingdom of God. Peace allows you to advance against the enemy. Not keeping the peace in the sense that you are a peacekeeper, because God doesn't call us to be peacekeepers. He calls us to be peacemakers right? Peacemakers advance the kingdom of God. They bring truth in righteousness. They bring the kingdom of God and they help people understand that God's kingdom is here and now. And he's above your circumstance. He's over your circumstance. He can bring a solution to you. How else? With faith. To believe. With faith. With the foundation of hope. That we know that God can do things. He can do the impossible. I've been in places where people were not in a, in a where, I've been in places where people are in a desperate situation and they might not even be a believer. But man, are they so glad when you come next to them? 
when you're saying, I know you might not believe, but you need faith right now. Let me help you have faith for this. And for the first time, they'll experience what faith is and they'll say, oh, I am so glad that you came. I am so glad because I could not even stand up on my own. See, faith is strong. Faith is the foundation of what we build things on. And when we walk in faith, we have total trust in God. There is no such thing as blind faith. Blind faith is a secular term that's just saying like, hey, it's trying to denounce your reason for faith. You know, faith does have reason behind it. We choose to believe because we believe in his word and we have a reason for this faith. I'm not blind about anything. I, I think sometimes you have more faith to be an atheist than you do to be a Christian. You have to believe in things for you to come up with this consequence. And I'll just go on this little rabbit trail real quick because I just love it. Because the reality is, is the more that science gets dialed in about the, the complexity of a single cell, the more that we understand that the, in cosmological terms, that when we look in the past through a crazy telescope, we can see that there is a beginning to our universe. And we can see that it's ever expanding. And it totally lines up with a Christian worldview that we exist in time and space, and God does not exist in time and space. When I talk to people who are, who are you know, we have friendly discussions and they say like, hey, well, then what created God? And I'm like, well, God is self-existent. God is timeless and he's spaceless. That's why we call him God. And they say, well, what created God? And they say, well, you're applying time and space to God. He's outside of time and space, so you can't apply time and space to him. That's why he's God. And they say, well, how do you know it's not the universe? And I say, well, because we can look back and we see the universe has a beginning. God created science. It's not in denial of science. And so the more you understand science, and, and we have some scientists in our congregation, I not being one of them, but, but they, you know, I talk to them, they're like, when you see all the complexity of a virus, of a cell, of, of all these things that are working inside our body, it's like, wow, how can you deny that God exists? And if we know that God exists, we know that we live in this dimension because he created us in this dimension, but he has now interacted with us. And when Jesus came, he came fully man, fully God, incarnate. He became God on earth. And he took on humanity to redeem us from our sin, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, raising again on the third day, and made a, a final sacrifice for us so that we no longer have to create sacrifices, that now he is the perfect sacrifice. And he didn't just leave us, he poured out his spirit upon us. And that's why, how do we fight? The next thing is spirit, the word of God, by being able to hear God. Prayer is not just petitioning God for your requests. Prayer is also opening your heart and letting God speak to you. Some of the most powerful Christians I know, their prayer life is this. 
they, they pray, and then they journal, God, what are you saying? Lord, would you speak through me? And then they'll look back in their journal and they'll see what God was saying to them. Is you just kind of being led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, just would you just speak and just... But it's, it's not just creating requests to God, but it's hearing requests to God. And this is all possible because we understand that our spiritual life and our physical life are interconnected. And then finally... Paul says, prayer in the spirit, praying in the spirit, letting the Holy Spirit pray on your behalf. This could be speaking in tongues. This could be just getting unctions from the Holy Spirit about what to pray for and who to pray for and, and all these things. And, and I often will text people during my prayer time because, man, I'm praying and boom, this face comes to mind, this time comes to mind, and I'm just praying. And, and there is no organized prayer in that sense. It is just being led by the Holy Spirit. This is one of the most powerful things that you can do. I will be praying for my child and, you know, my adult children now, and, I'll, and I know something had been going on, and I'll give them a call. And they'll tell me what they were going through. Yeah, at that time, this is what was happening, and this is... Or I remember my friend uh, Johnny uh, back in Philadelphia. He was, he was on fire. He was more on fire than me. He, he uh, was on drugs for a time in his life. He gets off of drugs. He's on fire for Jesus. I go to a, a Christian retreat because I'm, you know, on fire for Jesus. And while I'm worshiping, in the middle of the worship set, I'm just, I'm thinking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, call Johnny. Like, I think of Johnny. And so I'm like, why would I call John? I want to worship you. I worship you. I live to worship. You know, and um, I sound better than that. It's this microphone. <laughs> so you've got to fix, you got to fix this. Um, and I'm like, why would I call? But I, but why, why, that's not me thinking of Johnny. So I'm like, okay, call Johnny. Hey, Johnny, what's going on? Oh, nothing, Paul. Really? Why is God telling me to call you in the middle of a worship set? Are you about to do drugs, man? Are you struggling? Yep. Why? Because there is a supernatural thing going on. And for us as believers, if we want to stand strong, as Apostle Paul's talking about, if we want to be in this kingdom of God and being fully represented, being a full representation of it, we need to be praying in the Spirit. God will give you insights to how to pray. What's going on in your marriage? What's going on in your family? What, what opportunities you need to go for? What, uh, what breakthrough is, is around the corner? What obstacles are standing in the way? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to surrender back to him? What do you need to forgive someone of? What do you need to uh, uh, do for someone else because they're struggling? All these things happen by praying in the Spirit. It's the empowered life. It's the supernatural life. It does not need to be complicated. Loving one another looks like this. Praying in the spirit, praying for one another, hearing what God has to say, having salvation in Christ Jesus. If we don't know the Lord and we're trying to do 
the best we can, it's shadow boxing. You can't defeat the enemy on your own. You can't come against all the things that are pushing against you in your life on your own. You need Jesus. He's the answer. He's the one who can save you, your soul, who can save you from yourself, who can forgive you of your sins so that you can be finally free of everything that's holding you back and be the person he's always created you to be. You can't do that by just trying to live a good life. I've tried to do that. I fail every time. It's not by your works that we get into heaven. It's by receiving the free grace, the free gift of Jesus Christ and what he did for you, making him your Lord and Savior, surrendering yourself to him, and then him making you new. And what he does is he takes off everything that you've put on yourself or other people have put on you that tried to say who you were that just wasn't true and allows you to live a free life. See, if you're not saved, it's hard to know who you are in God because you're lost. And when you're lost, you can't stand firm. You can't fight the good fight. You need Jesus. Jesus understands the impact that the physical has on the supernatural, and he understands how to change a world that's full of hate and evil. He shows us this in, in, in an example, his example, and we talked a little bit about this in some of our table groups, and I just love this section of verse. In Matthew 5, 38 through 44, it says this. I'm gonna read it from my computer because this was too risky. This is Jesus speaking. He said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, that's like your shirt, let him have your cloak as well. Give him your jacket. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? That's wild. That's the opposite of what we wanna do. That's the opposite of how we wanna behave. Someone hurts me, they deserve it. But the reality is Jesus is saying, when someone hits you on one cheek, turn to the other. Now it's not saying don't defend yourself. This actually is an idiom that says when someone speaks an offense against you, when they slap you on the cheek, turn to the other. Don't let that offense root in your heart. Jesus is turning things upside down. See, this is the only way you can actually stop hate. 
This is the only way you can actually stop evil. It's actually the, the, what I like to call the third option that God gives us. See, the enemy tries to bring red herrings into our life all the time. What is a red herring? It's a distraction to keep you so involved in something over here that you actually miss the main point of what you're supposed to do in your life or how you're supposed to behave or, or how you're supposed to act. No one would think of going a second mile after someone forces you to go one. I mean, we saw this, the, 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 the stories of great goodness and love overcoming evil through countless stories in, in, uh, during the time of World War II. And someone that is very popularized now, many people may have already known, but Corey Tenboom whose Dutch family was hiding Jews in their home during World War II. It's a Christian family, hiding Jews in their home. And, and, and she was a daughter of the family who was doing it, her and her sister and her parents. And they all get, they get called out uh, and turned in to the Gestapo. I think it was 1944, right before the war ends. They send her to concentration camp, her whole family. All of them die except for her. She was treated horribly in the concentration camp by a certain guard, and her sister, Betsy, would tell Corey, it's not right that you would speak evil against this guard. You need to pray for the guard. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. Now, one thing about this is just a normal, uh, well, I think it's a supernatural principle. I mean, it's that saying that says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like, I'm not gonna forgive them. And Jesus understands this. Jesus is saying, look, if you don't turn your cheek, if you don't forgive, it's actually gonna create bitterness in you. Your, your heart's gonna get hard. You're gonna become angry. angry. You're gonna become bitter. And you end up hurting the people you actually love because you're holding unforgiveness against someone over here. And here's the most extreme example in Corey Tenboom, And she's like, forgive them. There was a miscalculation and uh, if you don't know her story, and on a clerical error, they release her from the concentration camp a week before everyone in her camp was sent to the gas chambers. But what a testimony of true love. Martin Luther King Jr., he has this amazing quote, we've all heard it, hopefully, it says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And so I, I, I wanna kinda keep us from getting too distracted from the things that would keep us, our eyes off of Jesus and keep our eyes off of the natural things and start focusing on the supernatural things. Like I said last week, the, the, the world is lost. We should not be surprised what the lost people are doing. What the lost is doing is a result of Christians actually not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We haven't, we actually haven't evangelized. We, we, we've sat, including me, we've sat on our hands a little too long and we didn't bring the current generation to Jesus. We went up to a certain point and then stopped. We should not be surprised how evil they, that some things are. That's just the lost. The lost don't know what they're doing. The lost is lost. But we have the ability to pray through. We have the ability to break through. We have the ability to change that. One, through prayer. Two, standing against the truth. 
Three, having the righteousness of God. Four, being clothed in peace. Five, having fullness of faith, having salvation in our life, praying in the Spirit, and having the Holy Spirit lead us. And that's what I wanna talk about and end with is this. Jesus did the ministry of Jesus. He brought the kingdom of heaven. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How close is your hand? Right here. That means it's within reach. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven at hand. And then when he made an atoning sacrifice for our sins and he preached what it is to be the kingdom, he showed what it is uh, and talked about what it was to be a part of the kingdom and to behave like we're part of the kingdom. Then he did this. He poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. Now, there was Christians in Acts 19. I didn't give those, those chapters, but I encourage you to read Acts 19, where Paul meets Christians who, were who, who he asked about being baptized. And they said, yeah, we've been baptized according to uh, John the Baptist, you know, about repentance. And Apostle Paul says, no, you need to be, in addition to that, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because for us to live this radical life, heaven on earth, representing the kingdom of heaven, we need his spirit upon us. We need to be empowered by that spirit. We need to have boldness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be able to see love when hate is in our face. I, when I come to God, I am just so thankful that he doesn't see every wrong that I've done. Like I know he can see and he does see and I know Christ made atoning sacrifice for that. But what I'm saying is I'm Paul who's slowly turning into a better person as I continually draw nearer to him and allow his will to be in my life. But I know he sees me, I'm his child and he sees all my quirks. He sees that I'm not living to my fullest potential in terms of maybe having too much pride or maybe being arrogant or maybe thinking I know it all and all this stuff, but he still deals with me. He doesn't tell me necessarily what's wrong with me. He pulls out the gold in me. He says, Paul, look what God, look what I'm doing in your life. I wanna call you to this other place because I know you can do it. He's doing that to all of us. He doesn't just see where you are. He sees where you can go. He doesn't just see you where you are. He sees you in your fullest potential. He treats you according to your fullest potential. So he's like, come on, you can do it. You can get better than this. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of shadow boxing. Getting upset, turning off the lights and fighting something that's not in front of me. I need to fight with my prayers. I need to fight by loving my neighbor. Look, the red herrings that the enemy throws at us, right? It could be, you know, if we're getting into a political season, it could be the political season. You get so obsessed about the political season, we should vote, we definitely vote, definitely stand up for godly principles. But the thing is that that can become such a red herring that we lose focus that, hey, we, like we might, be, we might be upset about wars that are just or wars that are unjust, depending on your opinion of them. But the reality is, if we don't love our neighbor, nothing's gonna change, right? We need to enter in 
to this third option where we say we don't have to do things just in the physical. We have a supernatural God who can intervene for us. So I wanna invite you to stand. I want us to wear the whole armor of God. How many wanna wear the whole armor of God? I wanna walk with that armor. I don't wanna hide. I don't wanna do things just in my own strength. But I understand that through his truth, his righteousness, faith, the Holy Spirit, salvation, and peace, we can move in power. So just hold out your hands like this. I wanna pray for you. Father, Lord, would you just release your spirit in this room right now? God, would your peace be equipped on our feet? Holy Spirit, would we be fully entering into your salvation? Jesus, may we fully enter into your salvation. May you equip us with the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Lord, may we wear your whole armor. And Holy Spirit, would you baptize us? Would you baptize us so we could go into the darkest places and shine your light? Lord, would you baptize us so we could go to our loved ones, our coworkers, our friends who don't know you yet and share the love of God with them? God, I pray that there would be breakthrough right now in families. Lord, I thank you for the supernatural. God, I thank you for finances to be released in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for jobs to be released right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Father, I thank you for restorations of marriages, restorations of families right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. I call those things as, that are not as though they are. And we speak a full restoration. I feel like today's word, just in the spirit, is restoration, restoration, restoration. God is restoring what we thought couldn't be restored in the natural.